This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. From MPB Think Radio, this is Creature Comfort. It's the show all about your animals and the animals around you. I'm Kevin Farrell, here with Dr. Troy Major, veterinarian at the Animal Medical Center in Jackson. Libby Hartfield out this week, but we do have a guest in studio. It's Dr. Bob Gully from the University of Mississippi Medical Center in Jackson. We have your pets in mind for today's show as we tackle the topic of ticks. How exactly are ticks harmful to us and our pets? What diseases do they carry? How do you protect yourself against them? And what other insects should we be aware of this summer? You can join the conversation this morning with your phone calls. Our number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 672 7464 Or send us an email. It's animals at This is Creature Comforts from MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back. This is Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Troy Major, veterinarian at the Animal Medical Center in Jackson. Levy Hartfield is out this week, but we do have a guest in studio. It's Dr. Bob Golly from UMMC, the Medical Center in Jackson. Uh, we have your pets in mind for today's show. We're tackling the topic of ticks. How exactly are ticks harmful to us and our pets? What diseases do they carry? What's the best way to protect ourselves against tick bites? And how should tick bites and other insect bites be treated? And what other insects should we be concerned about during the summer? You can join our conversation with your questions and comments. The phone number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 672 Or you can send us an email. It's uh, animals at mpbonline.org. You get two chances each week to hear Creature Comforts. We air Thursday mornings at 9, but the show also repeats Saturday mornings at 6. So good morning, gentlemen. Hope that you're doing well this morning. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, Dr. Major, I think I heard you uh, uh, chatting before we went on the air. Uh, things busy in the, in the clinic uh, this time of year. It is. Uh, we do a lot of, uh, it seems like a lot of people are going on vacations. We take care of uh, some of the dogs, you know, for our clients that need to board the dogs, this sort of thing. But uh, we see a lot of uh, issues from the standpoint of fleas, ticks, uh, other type diseases. Uh, we also need to caution Every day during the summer, as hot as it is, that uh, your outside dogs need to have adequate uh, shelter and uh, from the sun and, sh- and water. And it goes without saying uh, that you do not leave a pet unattended in a car uh, during these hot summer days. Mm-hmm. And again, I think that's uh, we don't realize how quickly the temperatures uh, rise in a car. And uh, so that's an important thing to, to remember is that... Uh, you know, if at all possible, um, just leave the pet at home, or maybe um, take them with you if you can. But it gets incredibly hot in such a in a short amount of time that we need to think about our pets uh, in the car during the summertime. As I mentioned, our guest today uh, is uh, Dr. Bob Golly. Bob, uh, thanks for joining us this morning. It's my pleasure. So, uh, tell us a little bit about uh, what you do at uh, the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Well, I, I'm an emergency physician and also a medical toxicologist. So I work at UMC's ED. But I also cover the Poison Center uh-huh. uh, with my colleague, Bob Cox, who is the medical director. Just the two of us cover 365 days a year. So uh, what are the types of, uh, of cases uh, that you get in the Poison Center? Uh, very varied. Around this time of year, of course, when it comes particularly germane to this show, is the venomous mm-hmm. stuff. Um, lots of snake bites already. Um, Lots of snake bites already. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what about uh, ticks? How, would, how did you get interested in, in ticks? Well, it's not so much interest. When you work in the emergency department, you deal with what comes in. And, uh, and so we do get a lot of tick-related illness, so to speak, diseases. Um, largely, I think it's more important for Dr. Major's field. But nevertheless, we do see some, some sick people. 
And what sorts of uh, diseases are associated with, with ticks and tick bites? Uh, well, you see anything from, well, people are most concerned about Lyme disease because I think it hits the headline so much. But we don't really see a lot of that down in Mississippi. Right. We're more likely to see Rocky Mountain spotted fever, as odd as it may sound, Rocky Mountain. <laughs> Nevertheless, uh, that is probably the most common tick-related illness that we see in the emergency department. But there's ehrlichiosis, there's babesiosis, tularemia, a variety of bizarre named diseases, all of which fortunately are treatable. This is Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. If you have a pet question for Dr. Major or if you want to know more about ticks, uh, you can uh, call in with a question. The number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Send us an email, animals at mpbonline.org. So are the various uh, diseases carried by different types of ticks? Or is there generally, I mean, in, in this area, are, are there a lot of different types of ticks oh, that people There could... are multiple species of ticks, that's for sure. Um, around here, we do see mostly the, the dog tick, uh, and it carries the stuff that we're mostly worried about and the common stuff that we see, particularly Rocky Mountain. And Dr. Major, then looking at it from the, the pet point of view, uh, again, obviously, the, they, they can be big trouble for our pets as well. One of the problems we see a lot of times, the uh, the dog uh, is bitten uh, by a tick. It may fall off or uh, the person may remove the tick but or ticks, and rarely do we have just one tick. I mean, you can have uh, one, but a lot of times there's multiple ticks. And uh, in, in dogs, just like Dr. Galley said, we see primarily Ehrlichia, uh, mainly up from in the Delta area, uh, more so there than from from here. We rarely see Lyme disease, uh, but we do occasionally, and Rocky Mountain spotted fever. And of course, one of the problems though is it could be infected for a while and still until it starts showing symptoms. Uh, the owner may not be aware of what's going on. Rocky Mountain spotted fever, uh, especially you get a decreased platelet count. Uh, a lot of times, that's the tip that we need to send send off for a tick panel. We can test in clinic for Ehrlichia uh, and other diseases, but we don't have an in-clinic test for uh, Rocky Mountain spotted fever. Untreated Rocky Mountain sp spotted fever can be fatal, and so can Ehrlichia, actually, because it causes uh, bleeding, spontaneous bleeding in a lot of cases. So where are um, our pets most likely to uh, encounter ticks? I'm, I'm thinking about, you know, where, if you've been where, should you maybe uh, pay, pay close attention to your, your, I guess, mostly dogs, but I guess cats too. But uh, where do we encounter ticks more frequently? In Mississippi. <laughs> here, 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 you're absolutely right. Here in Mississippi, anytime you have any growth of plants. Now, someone was on not too long ago and said that if you keep your grass down to three inches or less that rarely will you see any ticks there they like to get up on a little elevation and they really lie in wait uh, for a passerby regardless of whether it's a deer a dog a person and they can almost jump i guess but they go to the food source and that's exactly what they're doing so uh it seems to be we have so many deer in this area right here that there are always plenty of ticks available uh, and we need to talk about tick control and how, how you can actually help prevent your pet from getting ticks. Of course, ticks have eight or four sets of legs, and they will literally hang on to a, a leaf or a long blade of grass with their third and fourth sets of legs with their front legs wide open, grabbing anything that happens to come in contact it's with like them. kind of waving a little yep. bit, right, yep. <laughs> for a passerby. Yep. So, uh, so really, as so maybe just brushing up against a, a leaf where they are, they, as you said, they're ready to just go ahead and and, and, cl and crunch on there too. If you. you go for a walk in the woods and you're wearing shorts, you're going to grab one of them, or they're going to grab you, I guess. We're going to be talking about ticks throughout the hour. We do have a couple of phone calls on the line, so let's go first to uh, Rachel, who is in Jackson this morning. Good morning, Rachel. Hey. Um, yes, um, I have a question about heartworm preventatives. Um, I was, um, I, my dogs have not had their heartworm preventative for a couple of months, and I stopped by my vet to 
see about getting an appointment to get them checked and was told, oh, that's okay, even if they've got the heartworms, you can go ahead and put them back on their preventative anyway. And I had always thought, no, you couldn't do that. And I was wondering, has the rules changed? Well, the protocol generally has to do with uh, actually taking a uh, blood sample and doing a test. Right. That's what if I thought. If they've been off two months, sound maybe. Yeah, they've been, they've been off right. longer than that. They and might, a, and they've a been test, off through the a, winter. Okay, if it's been longer than that, I would definitely say test them first. If they've only been off two months, the test may not be accurate, and six months later, they might possibly have the heartworm. Yeah. It takes six months, roughly, for uh, the time that a mosquito bites the dog until you get an adult in the heart. And that's what the test is, is actually testing for, right. is a latter stage. My recommendation, not trying to be in conflict with your vet, but I right. would still test and then retest probably six to eight months just to be sure that they're okay. The other reason, when you put a dog on heartworm preventive that has heartworms for some reason, there is always a possibility of a reaction. Uh, We usually keep dogs in the clinic during the day just to to observe. And uh, that, uh, I've not had any problems with doing that, but I hate to send heartworm preventive home uh, and then have a reaction, and then you're either faced with an emergency clinic or uh, a dog that's truly sick. Well, right. That's what that's what I always thought, and I just wondered if maybe the research had changed. So, okay, that's all I needed to know. Great. Thank, Thank you. you. Okay. Thanks for the call, Rachel. Let's uh, stay on the phone lines. We'll travel next to Starkville as we say good morning to Mary. Hello, Mary. Hello. Good morning. Good morning. Go ahead. Um, yes, my dog was diagnosed with a tick disease. I can't recall the name. It's a very complicated name. It's not one of the common ones like Rocky Mountain Spotted Fever. How about um, anaplasmosis? Perhaps so. She's on a big regimen of pills. She's taking like four pills twice a day. And she completes the regimen and she comes off the pills. And then within a couple of weeks, her symptoms come back and she has to get back on the regimen. So my question was, um, is there is this anything that's curable, or is there a maintenance pill that she can take? It depends what on, the, on the disease, and I'm not sure which one she has. Uh, okay. there, she has a very high white blood cell count when she comes off. What, do you know what medication she's on, prednisone, uh, doxycycline? I, I actually I don't recall. Because, okay, it'd be great, be great to know what kind yeah. of medication she's on. But uh, it may be something that is continuing. It almost sounds like she might have an autoimmune-type situation developing from this. So uh, certainly you're in a great place to consult with specialists there in Starkville at the vet school. But uh, without any more information, it might be difficult for me to, uh, to tell you a lot. However, some of the tick diseases, once they become established, are difficult to handle. So best of luck to you, and uh, sure hope that uh, something can be done. Well, you know, one of the possibilities is that sometimes the antibiotic that your dog is on is enough to stabilize the disease but not cure the disease, and it might well be that a different antibiotic could be helpful. Again, being in Starkville, you're in the right spot. All right, Barry, we thank you for your call. We need to take a quick break. When we get back, we'll continue our discussion about ticks with our guest, Dr. Bob Golly from UMMC in Jackson. Also, Dr. Major here. So if you have a pet question, we're ready to take that as well. The phone number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 672 You can send an email to animals at mpbonline.org. We'll be back with more after this. Support for MPB comes from the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science, featuring a 100,000-gallon aquarium, 
300 acres of natural landscapes, and two and a half miles of walking trails. Information on exhibits and special events at msnaturalscience.org. Hi, I'm Dr. Michelle Owens, host of Southern Remedy for Women, here to warn you about an upcoming epidemic of license plate envy. Yes, it's coming after you see someone driving around with a new MPB car tag. It's the latest way you can support Mississippi Public Broadcasting continue the mission of educating, informing, and entertaining Mississippians. This epidemic is easily remedied by visiting mpbonline.org slash car tag to pre-order yours today. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back to Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Troy Major, veterinarian at the Animal Medical Center in Jackson. We're visiting today with our guest, Dr. Bob Golly from uh, UMMC in Jackson, talking about ticks today. Libby Hartfield's out this week. She'll be back on the show shortly. Uh, so, uh, as I mentioned, we're talking about ticks. So if you have any question about ticks affecting you or your pets, or if you have another pet question, you can give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring Our phone number is one eight seven seven. Six seven two seven four six four. You can send us an email. It's animals at mpbonline.org. So, Dr. Golly, you were mentioning how the tick uh, kind of lays in wait on uh, leaves or something, or or, or uh, maybe shrubs or trees, and as a host walks by, uh, they kind of uh, grab hold of them. Uh, then how do they do? Is it a bite? Do, what, do they actually insert their, not teeth, but whatever they have into us? How, how do they get... Uh, they're a bite. Yeah, their mouth parts grab on fairly tightly, as it turns out, and and they will hang on, and they'll hang on for an extended period of time if you don't discover them. Uh, our animals think that we're loving on them, but mostly we're doing tick checks, and we're going <laughs> down the whole body, and for cats in particular, make sure you check the butt in because that seems to be a fairly common area to grab hold. And so, go ahead. Cats are pretty good about actually removing ticks from themselves. They can reach it. And uh, dogs, on the other hand, rarely rarely remove a tick. But uh, it's, as, as Dr. Galley said, that you need to check the whole animal, just mm-hmm. like you were checking a two-year-old uh, child and make sure that there's no, no ticks. So is the is it... Is venom the right term? I mean, what is it that they're in, injecting into us that is causing the the diseases to occur? Well, as it turns out, there are, uh, th- I would say, three different responses that we get from ticks. There, There is a, a toxin, and that will bring on the paralysis. There is uh, bacteria. There are bacteria or viruses. The bacteria we can typically treat pretty effectively with antibiotics. But the most common tick reaction that we see, particularly in in humans, is the same thing that happens with a mosquito bite. Any creature that's going for a blood meal is going to inject a certain amount of protein in order to keep your blood from clotting so that it can get its blood meal. We get an allergic reaction to that, which brings on this welt. That's welt, not whelp, which is a baby wolf, (laughs) but a welt, which is that little bit of a mosquito bite bump that is so itchy from the histamine release. That's probably the most common thing. And when it comes to ticks, that could last for several days. And so um, can they bite one thing and then grab hold of something else? Or I mean, because my thing is you always think about them sort of being attached and you kind of have to remove the whole thing, but can they go from one host to another? Well, they certainly can, but mostly if they find a host that they like, they're going to grab on and they're going to take that blood meal and stay there. So that's the reason why it's so important to inspect on a daily basis if you're uh, in an area where, as we are, ticks are so prevalent. So in that case, would they continue getting their your blood as as they need it? I mean, is that why they're kind of they found something good, so they're just going to stay with you? If you know, if we we check our dogs, and we'll sometimes find the teeniest little thing. Or we'll find something that may be the size of a pea that's just so full of blood that's totally engorged. Uh, they will eventually then fall off. They go through several life stages. There's the egg, the larva, 
um, the nymph and the adult. And for each one of those stages, they require a blood meal in order to progress to the next stage. So they'll take that blood meal, they'll drop off, they'll digest that meal, and then they move on. Dr. Galley, how, how long does uh, the tick need to stay on before it can start to transmit a disease? Mostly people say between two and five days. Um, it can be uh, a little bit longer, but, uh, you know, it's, it's not like we have double-blinded controlled studies for sure. something like this, sure. so it's very difficult right. to tell. Got another caller on the line, so why don't we go to Mobile this time as we say good morning to Darlene. Good morning. Go ahead. Good morning. Uh, I have a Boston Terrier, and he has a rash around his face, or not a rash. He just keeps it kind of red from scratching it. And uh, I did check with my uh, vet, and they gave me or sold me some Keto C wipes right. to use around that. Is that the best thing to use because he just keeps on scratching and keeps it irritated? What type of sores does he have there? I mean, well, they're like sores, just, it's just red. Right. I think it would be wise to use those. Uh, uh-huh. Basically, that's ketochlor, probably ketoconazole and chlorhexidine. Uh-huh. And the wipe, I would try not to get it in the eyes. Oh, no. But um, most, a lot of the dogs do have folds in the area of the between the eye and the nose. Uh, mm-hmm. English bulldogs, for example, uh, a lot of times they will get a bacterial infection just because it's trapped in that mm-hmm. fold. So... For some yeah. reason, he's scratching. I would, I would mention to your vet that, or talk to him about possibly putting him on something to try to alleviate the scratching part. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll give you a name of one of the things that might be good would be Apoquil, and uh, it's it works. Apoquil. Apoquil. Okay. And uh, he would he would know he or she would know what that is, mm-hmm. but it's it's not a steroid, but it attacks the uh, actual channel. For the itch reflex uh, without yeah. uh, having too many side effects. So mm-hmm. you might talk to the vet. The other thing, possibly some kind of ointment if the, if the wipe is not working. Well, I'm using the wipes and then also put some uh, polysporin on there. Okay. Sounds like you've probably got it under control, but if it continues to scratch, I would talk to him about uh, something that he could use to stop the scratching. Well, my husband has uh, uh, psoriasis, and he takes a keto, K-E-T-O-C-O-N-A-Z-O-L-E. Ketoconazole. That's 2% cream. Yes. That's not good for him. Uh, you know, okay. I guess that would be more for a fungus or fungal-type infection or yeast. Mm-hmm. Uh, it might work, but I think you've got it in the wipe with the ketochlor okay. as ketoconazole and chlorhexidine in it. Okay. All right. I do that once a day. Wipe his face off and then put that on there. And uh, I think that would be fine. I'd be a little reluctant to use the ointment, but well, uh, yeah, I thought that, but I thought I'd ask. Yes, ma'am. All right. Thank you. Best of luck. Thank you. Thanks for the call, Darlene. This is Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. We're looking for your calls, your pet questions this morning. Also, we're talking about ticks with our guest, Dr. Bob Golly from UMMC in Jackson. Um, so, uh, do tick bites affect all of us in the same manner? Uh, I would say in, in one very obvious way, and that is if you look down and you see a tick on you, you're going to be nauseated and disgusted right away. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think the most important thing to discuss is how to get rid of them, how to remove those. And, and, and there are lots of different processes that people talk about, but probably the safest and best is to get a pair of tweezers, grab the tick as close to your skin as possible near the mouth parts in the head and remove it. You don't want to grab a blood engorged tick by its belly and squeeze all that stuff back in you. So grab it as close as you can to the skin and and pull it off. It'll sometimes take a bit of a tug. I, I think there are a lot of I don't know if you would call maybe urban legends or, or wives' tales about that, the, the whole thing about the match uh, so that the tick releases or whatever, but, but you're saying just some tweezers and try to get as close uh, to the to the mouth as possible. Yeah, if you take a match to the back end of a tick, you're going to get rid of the back end of the tick, but the mouth parts are still going to be stuck in you, and then it makes it a little bit harder for you to be able to grasp onto them to be able to remove that. You definitely want to try to get the entire tick detached from your body. In people, you get more of a reaction than you do in the dog. Uh, and an old 
trick that I guess my mother used, whatever was using Vaseline or something like that around it. And a lot of times a tick would release then. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would caution people about removing ticks from their dogs. And sometimes we see dogs come in the clinic that might have a hundred ticks on it. I mean, that many. Mm-hmm. And uh, how do you get those off? Usually they release pretty well with maybe a flake of skin uh, as opposed to being embedded like we see in people, like you see in people. Uh, quite frankly, I've removed probably, I hate to say hundreds of thousands, but tens of thousands of ticks over the years. And unfortunately, I've used my fingers rather than using tweezers. When you get a dog that has that many ticks on it, probably better to put gloves on, though, to when you remove them. And uh, that, I'm not saying to remove them with your bare fingers, though. In Alaska, there's an issue with the moose population. Mm-hmm. They literally will have hundreds of ticks on them and become quite anemic as a result right. because every one of those is taking its own blood sample, uh, and it's a kind of Can disgusting be. photographs if you have a look at them. Mm-hmm. So, are ticks? Do they live in large know, colonies or groups? I mean, or you imagine if if you go through the woods, are you likely to get many ticks? Uh, are uh, or are they more solitary? A mama tick can have. Several thousand eggs okay. at a time. So gotcha. they are uh, qu- quite populous if you're going out into the woods. And so that's why many people would suggest, although it's difficult in the, on a day like today to wear long pants and socks and <laughs> tuck them in, but uh, best to have a tick on the outside on your pants than inside and on your leg. We need to take another quick break. When we get back, we'll continue on that line uh, to talk a little bit more about how you can uh, prepare to prevent ticks from bothering you. Uh, we're also looking for pet questions this morning. It's uh, Creature Comforts, and we've got some open phone lines. Dr. Major is here ready to take your question. The number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one eight seven seven. 672-7464. You can send an email to animals at mpbonline.org. We'll be back with more after this. The new MPB Public Media app is available now. Watch MPB TV, listen to MPB Think and Music Radio, and stay in the know with MPB News. Search for the MPB Public Media app in the App Store and Google Play stores today. Hi, I'm Dr. Jimmy Stewart. Join me each Thursday for Southern Remedy Kids and Teens on MPB Think Radio. Each week we talk with you about the health issues that are facing your children. From acne to concussions to diaper rashes and tonsils, from potty training to allergies to braces, and everything in between. It's Mississippi's free weekly pediatric clinic on the radio. Listen to any of our episodes on demand through the MPB Public Radio app and online at mpbonline.org. Southern Remedy Kids and Teens, this morning at 11 on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back. This is Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Troy Major, veterinarian at the Animal Medical Center in Jackson. Libby Hartfield out this week, but we do have a guest in studio. It's Dr. Bob Golley from the University of Mississippi Medical Center in Jackson. We're talking today about ticks, and we're looking for your pet questions as well. The phone number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one eight seven seven. 672-7464. Send an email to animals at mpbonline.org. We've got some calls on the line, so we will start in Tupelo and say hello to Marie. Good morning, Marie. Good morning. Go ahead. All right. Well, when I was 18, I worked at a renovating campground, and 
I got a lot of ticks on me, so after work, I would take a shower with flea and tick shampoo for dogs. Well, now that I'm older, I've read the precautions, and it says do not make contact with skin. So I was wondering, how dangerous is that? Well, I would say that's probably a toxic thing more than anything else, and if you don't have any symptoms at this point, how many years ago was that? It was 13 years ago. Oh, I don't think you have too much to worry about then. Most most of those have pyrethrins. Uh, I, I don't know what you actually used, but most of the shampoos have pyrethrins, which probably uh, are not not going to hurt you. I wouldn't think. That's that's a good guess. You're okay in good health. Thank you for taking my call. I also have another question yes. about using olive oil to suffocate the tick if it's embedded in your skin. Is that true that it cuts off their air, and makes them back out of your skin? I think it would I defer to Dr. Galley, but I think it would help. Even the Vaseline uh, uh, could coat it with that or olive oil and possibly make the tick back out. All right. Thank you, guys. All right. Uh, anything to add? Uh, it's just a lot quicker to grab them with a pair of tweezers. That's the only thing. And, and when I look down and I see a tick, uh, I'm in a hurry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's continue on the phone lines. We're going to go to Yazoo City and say good morning to Elise. Go ahead, please. Hi, good morning. Um, we live in a wooded area, and our dog will oftentimes come inside the house and we'll have ticks on him, and we sometimes find them where they've fallen off and they're in our house. Is there any way to prevent, what's the best medicine, I guess, to prevent ticks from getting on him at all, or is there anything that we can do? There are several that are quite good. Uh, one of the ones that a lot of people like is called Brevecto. It kills fleas and ticks. However, they still might bring a tick in that didn't attach to them and fall off, you know, in the house. That's quite possible. Uh, Vectra uh, is a topical, and it even uh, will repel mosquitoes, kill mosquitoes, as well as repel ticks. So there's a lot of them that are good. Some of the collars are good, uh, but a lot of the collars lose their effectiveness once they get wet. And if you've got a dog out going through brush and woods or getting in the lake, it may lose its effectiveness. So there are good choices. Talk to your vet about the best for that in your area, and I would certainly use that. Okay. Importantly, though, if, if your dog goes outside, if you go outside, you're going to attract the, the tick just as your dog does, and it's going to crawl around on its fur. Um, these these medicines will take care of it once they attach, but that doesn't mean they're not going to still hitch a ride into the house right. and then kind of get attached to you. That's the biggest complaint that I've had with Brevecto is not that they were attaching to the dog, but they were actually could bring ticks into the house that didn't attach to them but hitched a ride. All right, uh, thanks for the call. This is Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. If you'd like to join the conversation, uh, you can give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring Our phone number is one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. 672 7464 Send an email to animals at org. You know, I guess maybe I don't get out in the woods enough because I'm fortunate enough to say I have never had a tick bite or been uh, have a tick on me. Uh, so I'm not even sure I know what what they look like. So, uh, Dr. Galley, again, you mentioned sort of different stages of their development, uh, and they can be quite small to, as you said, pea size. But give us an idea of, of what the average tick looks like. What's that on your arm right As it turns out, the, the most difficult ones to deal with are the ones at the nymph stage, which is almost microscopic. They, they look like a, almost like one of your own little moles, your own little, little spot. And for some reason or other, they like the belly button because <laughs> they just kind of <laughs> dig down in there and they're very difficult to be able to remove. So they go from egg to larval to nymph to adult. An adult-sized one is fairly recognizable, and you can see them crawling up your leg or... Uh, or certainly on your on your animal, and again to go from one stage to the next, they require a blood meal. And uh, do they do they, would they crawl around on your lot, or are they pretty much interested in quickly finding that that blood source? So I mean, once you get one on you, the the chances are it's going to bite you before you notice it. Do you think? Particularly for humans, they like the softer skin. 
And so they're going to find something like your groin or your navel or your armpit, places where it's a little bit harder to be able to find them. So they will crawl around you for a while until they get the spot that they like. And a lot of times it will stop at the belt line or bra line. Mm -hmm. And if you're wearing protected clothing, they literally can go all the way up and get in your hair. Absolutely. uh, Which can be hard to find sometimes. So this is reasons to inspect kids and yourself when you've been out in the woods and your dog or cat. Um, earlier you were telling us a little bit about the, you know, to wear some protective clothing that would be, and maybe tuck your, um, your pant legs inside your socks. What are some other tips for if you're going out in the woods and the best you can to kind of prevent, uh, or, or, uh, keep you safe from ticks? Well, there also are some sprays that you can, can do that are, that can be effective, but the, you know, the most important thing I think is a self check that more than anything else, if, you know, we all like going outdoors. It's, it's fun to roam around in the woods, take your animals for a walk. But when you're done, you should check your animals and check yourself. Um, what about symptoms? If someone is bitten by a tick and is having some sort of reaction, what are some things that you'll begin to notice uh, in, in, in ourselves or maybe our kids or, or, or someone we know? As I mentioned before, once you find one of them, you're, you're probably going to feel kind of an itchiness or next to nothing. They, they actually can grab onto you and you don't feel a thing, even though they're biting you. So that's why it's important to be able to inspect. Um, once you do, then you will get the initial uh, reaction, which is that small allergic reaction like a mosquito bite. And when you pull off the tick, that'll remain because the protein is inside your skin. Uh, you won't have evidence of any disease for quite some time, even after you remove the tick. So if there is some kind of a bacterial infection that's about to take hold, it's more important that you look for rashes more than anything else, obviously febrile illness. If you're looking for Rocky Mountain, one of the, curiously enough, we had someone who had been to a couple of hospitals and she had had recurring fevers and rash, but uh, it's uncommon enough that people aren't familiar with what to look for. She came in with a fairly obvious kind of brown purplish little splotches on her palms and, and her soles, uh, which was the key for us to realize that she had Rocky Mountain. And so, uh, But if you are bit by a tick and you get that reaction that's similar to a spider bite, I'm, I'm sorry, a mosquito bite, uh, then that's something that you should keep in mind. And then, as you said, watch out for maybe these other symptoms, the rashes, uh, if you're not feeling well, that sort of thing. Again, the most common thing is that you will get that itchiness that could last for several days. Far and away, that's the only thing that anybody ever gets to to be able to unfortunately attract some kind of a systemic illness is really fairly rare. Okay, so it's important to be diligent about it, but uh, but don't get uh, uh, too overly concerned about uh, the extreme cases. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Looks like we got another caller on the line. We're off to Ocean Springs this time as we say hello to Suzanne. Good morning, Suzanne. Good morning. Go ahead. <clears throat> My question is um, about a turtle nest. I had the opportunity um, two nights ago to observe a turtle in my backyard laying her eggs. And I didn't want to disturb it. So um, not knowing anything about wild turtles or nests or anything like that, of course, I Googled it. And there was one question that I had about the information that I was reading, and it said something about, Keeping the area moist, because if the eggs didn't hatch after 75 days to start moistening the area, well, as you well know, it's pretty hot, and so the yard is pretty dry. So I'm trying to figure out, do I start, like, watering the area or just leave things alone and let, I mean, I just want to make sure we don't lose the eggs. Sure. Uh, I guess the thing that I would say is, uh, Probably it wouldn't hurt to moisten that area occasionally, especially since it's been so dry. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would not overdo it. Uh, you probably had a uh, red-eared uh, slider-type turtle, probably uh, plate size, give or take. Yes. They they hunt for places in the flower bed or bed that's been kind of softened. Makes an excellent yeah. place for them to do it. And I've seen them in my yard do this before. Okay. And, uh, it doesn't hurt, but don't overdo the watering. I think just kind of keep that area moist to be great. 
Okay, so about once a week, would that be a good schedule to go on? Probably so, probably so, okay, and depending on the rain. Oh, what? good okay. point. Thank you for reminding me about yes, that. Ma'am. All right, uh, Suzanne, thanks for the call. This is Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. If you have a pet question or if you're interested in knowing more about ticks, you can give us a call this morning. Our phone number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Send an email to animals at mpbonline.org. So um, it's quite hot, obviously, here in Mississippi in the summertime. Uh, it cools off in the fall. Um, Dr. Galley, do we have to worry about ticks uh, throughout the year? I mean, what sort of climate do they uh, do well in? Yeah, most frequently it's going to be the spring and the summer. Uh, it can go into the fall. The more important thing to pay attention to around now is heat illness because mm-hmm. uh, that's that's what's taken down an awful number of people. Uh, it's a bit of a tangent, but again, you know, you, you uh, work in the emergency room and that sort of thing. Uh, remind us of some of the things, uh, first of all, uh, hydrating and things to prevent that, but what to, what are the signs that maybe you are overheating uh, when you're out and about in the summertime? Well, if you ever get to the point where you stop sweating, you know that you're in trouble. Um, obviously, hydration is important. And the other thing that's important to know is that, you know, when you sweat, it's salty. So when you just drink water back to replace that, then you're not replacing the electrolytes that you need, which is why it's a it's a good idea to take some of these sports drinks. doesn't need to be the big brand names where the, they have to pay the athletes so much money it costs you a fortune. But, but any one of those that you can tolerate the flavor of, even something like Pedialyte works really well. All right. Got some more callers on the line. Uh, we'll start in Purvis. It's uh, Suzanne called in. Good morning. Go ahead. Hey, good morning. I wanted to ask, I don't know if you've touched on this yet, I just tuned in, but about tick paralysis. I had a dog one time that we thought had been hit by a car. Well, it wasn't my dog, it was somebody else's, and I pulled some ticks off of her, and by the time I got her home, she was a lot better, and by the next morning, she was almost back to normal, and my friend at the vet said it was probably tick paralysis. I was wondering if you could explain the mechanism by which that causes this apparently ascending paralysis that resolves. It's an interesting subject, and Dr. Galley can certainly talk about the same thing happens in humans. Uh, The tick has to attach along a nerve ending, uh, and uh, it's not every tick that can cause that. You might have 50 ticks on a dog and not have tick paralysis, and you might have one that has the toxin which causes this. One good rule of thumb when you have tick paralysis, if you find the tick, Let's say the dog has been down three days and kind of flippering around like a seal. It's bright and alert uh, in its eyes and face. Wants to get up but can't. And uh, it usually takes about the same length of time for the animal to recover uh, once you remove the tick as it did for it to go down. But uh, that that is fairly common in in Mississippi, we see it uh, fairly often, tick paralysis. And, Do you know what the toxin is or uh, how from one nerve ending it would affect everything and why it doesn't affect the face, or does it? It's usually an ascending paralysis, and the dog can die from just uh, not eating, not drinking. If it mm-hmm. And when I say ascending, the first thing that usually happens is rear limbs, uh, ataxia, in other words, wobbly, and mm-hmm. then it moves forward and... Uh, it can cause death simply by uh, uh, causing dehydration and animal not eating. I do not know the name of the toxin, and I'm not sure that it's been that well studied. It, it's been studied, but no one has identified right. it, as it turns out. Right. And uh, the, the, the key is removal. And right. within a, as, just as you describe, a brief period of time, the creature recovers. Uh, and when I say creature, I mean children as well. You know, oh. we we check kids who come in kind of lethargic. Mom says not acting normal. Um, again, mentally, the the child is absolutely fine. Just doesn't seem to have the energy, the ability to be able to move around all that much. And it's important to really inspect uh, the child very carefully, particularly through the hair, to be certain that there isn't a, a hidden tick someplace. Huh. And so. Um... I forgot what else I was going to ask you. Oh, is it a certain type of tick, a particular tick, or you just some? The vet said sometimes it's a, a very small tick, or we just don't know. It can be 
different sizes. Uh, probably the, the brown dog tick probably is the most common uh, source of that. It being the most common around here, and yet we see it, so we presume that that's what it is. Okay. We, we had a dog last summer that started acting that way with an ascending paralysis and got really worried and took her to a um, neurologist in Metairie, and it turns out she had Guillain-Barre syndrome, or what I guess the vets call yes. uh, a coonhound paralysis, and right. she survived it. We did supportive care, got up every two hours and turned her and, you know, cleaned her and range of motion her major joints, and somehow she survived. But That's an interesting interesting yeah. condition and uh usually uh it takes takes a while y'all were doing good to to nurse her it back did. to health i'd it say you, what two weeks or so at least yeah it probably took her about four weeks okay. but she is uh she's fully recovered but uh, that was very frightening All right. we have so many dogs and cats i don't think we have any uh coons around but <laughs> i guess well, the theory of that and dr galley might be familiar with that as well the theory of that is that uh Actually, we're we're having maybe a botulism type uh, uh, condition uh, where uh-huh. dogs are roaming through the woods, eat a bird that's been uh, dead, lying there, and develops this paralysis. That's uh-huh. one theory. Okay. Yeah. All righty. Thank Thanks. You. Thanks for your call. We need to take one final break of the hour. When we get back, we've got a number of calls to get to. Uh, this is Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. We'll be back to wrap up the program after this short break. More than two centuries ago, the first American president took office. And next year, the 45th will take office. Follow history in the making. Right here on this station. Listen every day. Weekdays at 4 on MPB Think Radio. I was recently diagnosed with invasive ductal carcinoma. Those of you who've been listening to the news are probably totally confused about breast cancer and breast cancer screening. What choices exist to detect breast cancer? Is there a right way to fight it? The option that was presented to me by my surgeon was lumpectomy. Learn more in an MPB Southern Remedy documentary special, A Plan to Survive. Tonight at 7 on MPB TV. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back. This is Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Troy Major, veterinarian at the Anamona Medical Center in Jackson. Our guest today, Dr. Bob Golly from the University of Mississippi Medical Center in Jackson. Libby Hartfield out this week. So we are talking today about uh, your pets and specifically about ticks. Got some calls on the line, so let's return to the phone lines and we say good morning to Mikey in Mobile. Go ahead. Oh, thank you so much. I'll be, I'll try to be quick um, uh, because we have other callers. Um, first of all, Question number one, on dogs, uh, there's supposedly a conflict if the drops have already been put on dogs with the timing of using, I have not used the flea shampoo much, but after hearing the caller talk about using it as, uh, you know, to help herself, um, so how long can you wait between putting drops on dogs? We're having a terrible flea problem here, particularly in Mobile. Um, okay, number, question number two. Could you wash your clothes, like your pants and your socks, pants that you would wear, you know, an, an open weave type thing, and socks? Because I have to spend time in the woods. I have no choice. Now, I have not noticed any ticks on me and only one on one of my dogs. Um, 
could you dilute the flea and tick shampoo with, with another kind of soap or shampoo if you chose to do that? And number three, diet, dietary influences. Does, I eat a lot of garlic and hot peppers. I hope that this might have some, something to do with helping to deter them. And I sometimes give garlic to my dogs. So, Are you talking about fleas there, uh, trying to prevent fleas? I'm talking fleas? about fleas and ticks. Right. I, I have no idea uh, what would happen with the ticks, of course. You eat too much garlic and this sort of thing, it keeps friends away, too, if you're not careful. Uh, that was a joke. I'm sorry. That might explain something. <laughs> anyway, first of all, the, the drops, if you're talking about Advantage or Advantage Ticks or Vectra, usually I would recommend, uh, at, or Revolution even, I would recommend 24 hours before giving a bath, bathing, let that absorb into the skin, even though some of them say that you can do it as soon as it's dry. But uh, you can still use the flea shampoo? Yes, you can. It's not going oh, to hurt to do that. Okay. As far as uh, doing your clothes with that, I, I don't know that that would help at all. Uh, some people recommend carrying a uh, laundry softener in their pocket uh, to help prevent mosquitoes. I don't know if it helped help uh, keep ticks, ticks away from them. Uh, all right. The, uh, the thing with the garlic, uh, I do know that some people do it from the standpoint of mosquitoes and possibly fleas. But I'm not sure of what kind of effect it would have on ticks. Well, I have lots of friends, so I have to, you know, what can I say? You're doing, you're doing okay. Most of them are animals. Okay. All right, Mikey, thank you. Thank you. thanks for your call. Let's get one final call in this hour, and it goes to John, who's called in today. Good morning, John. Go ahead. Good morning. Uh, I have a three-year-old black lab, uh, and she's developed mange. I see spots on her side of her jaw, on her leg, and on her stomach. I think she contracted it from another dog that came to our house, and we ran him away. But uh, six months later, I see some spots on her. What can we do about it? Okay, first of all, I don't know what these spots are. Mange is a broad subject. Uh, a lot of times people call mange uh, just sores. It could be on the dog. If she's not had mange before, I kind of no, doubt it. Before, but the dog that came to the house... Right. He had mange. Okay, there are two basic types of mange, demodectic mange and sarcoptic mange. Sarcoptic mange is easily spread, and it's very intense. It causes intense itching. Demodectic mange or red mange cannot be spread from dog to dog. So, uh, but this is, I, I don't think this is red mange because this, this, this other dog that had it, he looked gray and dry all over, and uh, it wasn't red anywhere. Right. I think it'd be wise to get this dog into your vet. It could be a staph infection. It could be something else. Very difficult for me to tell you over the phone. Uh, radio, I would suggest that it be checked by your veterinarian. Okay? All right, John, thanks for that call. That's going to wrap us up for today. Creature Comforts is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting Think Radio and the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science. Funding provided in part by the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science Foundation and contributions from listeners like you. So for Dr. Troy Major and our guest, Dr. Robert Galley, I'm Kevin Farrell, inviting you to stay tuned. Up next at 10, it's MPB's Season Pass with Jay White and Sam Wells. We'll be back next Thursday at 9 for another Creature Comforts. It's heard only on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.